The energy transition is a long and winding road, and it needs to be taken step by step. Learn more at SiemensEnergy.com. This is Barron's Live. Each weekday, we bring you live conversations from our newsrooms about what's moving the market right now. On this podcast, we take you inside those conversations, the stories, the ideas, and the stocks to watch so you can invest smarter. Now, let's dial in. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a special Investors Business Daily installment of Barron's Live. It's Alyssa Corum here, and I'm joined by my IBD colleague, Harold Morris, who's a senior product coach on our MarketSmith team. And today, we are going to be talking about something in the technical analysis realm, and that is the concept of support and resistance. It's very important to understand these concepts, Harold, and the nuances there so traders can identify A, strong entry points, B, to stay in winning stocks, and C, to get out of losing stocks before their portfolios uh, take sizable hits there or a massive blow. And there's a lot to get through, so we're going to be covering what to look for with support and resistance levels. First of all, what they are, uh, how you can use price levels, moving averages, uh, certain relevant numbers as well. So there's a lot to unpack, Harold. But first, let's start with defining what is support and what is resistance and why they're so important when we're investing in stocks. Uh, support is, uh, think of support as a floor. Someone, <clears throat> excuse me. We're in a downtrend like we are now, like we are now. Uh, you want to look for stock to stock price to uh, find a level where it looks like it's going to stop. So when we're in a downtrend, I always say, look to the left. It doesn't matter if we're in a downtrend or an uptrend. You want to look to the left because what you're looking for is certain price levels. So a stock, it's going to come, come down to a certain price level, and it'll typically stop. Same thing to the upside. It'll make a move to the upside, and it might stop and find what's called resistance. Your resistance is your ceiling. And usually, like on the upside, resistance is a level where the stock has reached in the past. So maybe a month ago, XYZ reached $100. It pulled back to maybe 95 Now it's starting its way back towards $100. Many times, a stock will pause at a previous level. That was at level of value. And sometimes it'll pause there, it might take off, or it might break down. Same thing uh, with resistance. The stock or ETF or index, doesn't matter. Sport and resistance uh, works on all, on all you know, ETF stocks, all time frames. But let's just make it simple. Let's keep it simple. We're looking at a daily chart or a weekly chart. Stock is going down to resistance. You want to look to the left and see, okay, is there abundance of price to the left where that stock or ETF or index could possibly stop, pause, and make a move to the upside. Yeah, I love thinking about them in terms of a floor and a ceiling, and we can really use those as signals to trade off of. So if you own a stock and you know that there's a floor of support, a level at which the stock that you own should hold and then bounce from, that could be a signal to 
add more shares, or maybe it's a stock in an uptrend that you're watching that could be a buy signal, a bounce off of support, where on the other hand, if you break below that support, that would be an expectation breaker, right? If you are expecting support and you don't get it, well, maybe it's time to sell and move aside. Right. And then not only is it price, but moving averages, especially in the market that we're in now, uh, moving averages are very important when identifying support and resistance, especially the 50-day. You know, the 50-day uh, on a daily chart, the 10-week on a weekly chart, that's, that's, uh, that, those, those two moving averages are used by institutions. And your institutions, they tend to pay a lot of attention when, when, the, when the stock or ETF or index comes down to those price levels. And they like to use that, uh, those, two, those two moving averages to make trading decisions or buying decisions or selling decisions. Exactly. And for those watching the video version, I'm showing a daily chart of QQQ, the ETF that tracks the NASDAQ 100. And as you mentioned, it's a very relevant level, uh, that 50 day to be keeping an eye on on the daily chart here, not only for an index like the NASDAQ 100, but a lot of leading stocks as well. The strongest stocks out there and the strongest market periods, you often see support at a rising 50-day moving average. You know, there was someone in our audience who was asking, okay, well, what moving average should I really be keying off of on these charts? And uh, you mentioned it there, Harold, one of the big ones for us is that 50-day on the daily and 10-week on the weekly chart. And we've been in a strong uptrend for a lot of the year, especially May and June and the first half of July, very strong for the market. But in the last two weeks, last week and this week, we started seeing some signals piling up that uh, selling has been picking up. And how does support and resistance play into our analysis on that level? Yeah, so as you mentioned, when the market started to sell off, and first thing we look at is uh, that 50-day moving average. So that's a red line on the Mark Smith chart. And as the stock was approaching that, that's where a level where you're looking to see, okay, what's going to happen? There's no way of telling what's going to happen when it gets down to that level. But we do know that that's where institutions are looking for a bounce off the 50-day. Because just think about it. You know, uh, QQQ, that's what we're looking at now. It reached a peak at 387 about the uh, beginning of, of uh, July. It's pulled back, and now we're, what, below three, we're around 357. Well, they, as it was pulling back, institutions are looking to add to the position. Remember, it was cheap, it's cheaper at $350 than its peak at three, 357. So they're looking to add shares once it gets to that level. But if it goes down below that level, that's when you know, pr pretty much all bets are off when it comes to uh, adding shares to uh, or starting position off that 50-day moving average. As I mentioned a moment ago, so now that we're below the 50-day, and again, we're talking about QQQ, right at the beginning, I said, look to the left. So when Allie brought up that chart, first thing I did was I looked to the left. Now I'm looking to see, okay, are there any price levels 
where that can see where the stock could possibly stop. You know, it tested 372, that failed. So now that low looks like that low is like in the middle of June. Now it looks like we're testing that level. So that level could become a level of support where we might get a bounce off that and a move to the upside. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think you make a great point, Harold, about looking at the left side and that can be on different time frames. So exactly. And even in uh, indicators, you can use um, support and resistance on indicators like a MACD or RSI. We're not going to get into that, but the concept applies to indicators. Mm -hmm. And at different time frames, you know, being the daily chart, weekly charts, even monthly charts, and drilling down into intraday charts, these same concepts hold and traders can use them uh, no matter what their time frame is. Maybe they are a longer term trader, so they want to be focusing on weekly charts and that 10 week moving average or the 40 week moving average. That's another longer term moving average that we look at. Uh, but one more thing about the 50 day line and the 10 week, which are cousin moving averages there, just a slightly different data points that they're working off of. IABD's research shows that when you get a close of 2% or more below the 10-week line, usually accompanied in heavy volume, that signals that the stock or the ETF or the index could be due for a base building period or the move is over for the time being. So we are seeing some shifts, Harold, uh, in the market outlook. And a lot of that hinges on where these things are in relation to key support levels. Right, right. So you mentioned that 2% below the 10 week. That is a somewhat of a red flag for the overall market. When we're talking about the indexes when we uh, when we're, when we're using that 2% below the 10-week, because we know that stocks follow the trend of the market. So we first keep an eye out on the market, and if we get that 2% or more below a major moving average like the 10-week, that's, that's when we know, okay, this is a, uh, a bearish move by that index, and that's where we want to get very defensive, you know, keeping an eye out on what our positions. You know, first start off with the ones that aren't doing so well. Maybe those are the ones you want to cut first, uh, and then look and see uh, how you can protect your profits on stocks that are doing well. Right. So we've talked a lot about support. And now let's talk about resistance. I'm going to keep QQQ on here. And so if we are expecting support at a certain level, whether it's a price or a moving average and a bounce, well, resistance, we would expect that ceiling to remain. But if that breaks our expectation and you get a breakout to the upside, we use that as an indicator of strength. Can you talk about right. that, Harold? Right, right. So those of you familiar with IBD uh, and our patterns that we used for breakouts, you know, you know the cup with handle, flat base, um, double bottom, et cetera. Well, those breakouts or those levels where we're looking for a breakout, that's basically a stock that is breaking uh, resistance. You know, a stock will come up and we look to the left side of the, of, the, uh, of the high. If it breaks through that, it's breaking through resistance. We consider that a breakout. So exactly like you lined up on the chart there, we see uh, on QQQ, 
and the left side was in like in the beginning, late late January, early February, and uh, looks like what middle of March we had another had a breakout. It consolidated consolidated again, and we had another breakout in May. So uh, when we get to those levels, it's just basically resistance is just a level of where a stock has reached a certain price. And again, once you get to that level, there's no way of telling what's going to happen. Uh, if, if that breakout is at, let's just say, for example, $100, that's where the left side is, the high of the left side. Well, it can get up to 100. If it breaks through, uh, that 100 level was resistance. If it breaks out and makes a move to the upside, well, it's broken resistance. And now that level of resistance can become support. So you can have a level of that was once resistance can become support. Right. And I think something else to point out for our audience before we get any further is that there's an art and a science. Yes, absolutely. Right. So uh, nothing is going to be a guarantee, right? Like even with this example, when we did get that breakout for QQQ in late March, it wasn't just immediately off and running then. It did have a period of digestion before it really took that next leg higher. But that's where our risk management rules come into play. You could get the most beautiful looking breakout supported by heavy volume, that institutional demand. But that doesn't mean that that trade is guaranteed to work out or that the thesis that you have, that expectation will necessarily hold. Right. Right. And as you mentioned, uh, it's not an exact science when it comes to identifying support and resistance. No, earlier, when you drew the trend lines, when we were looking at QQQ as it broke down below the 50-day moving average, you know, you had drawn a, a trend line. Uh, I was looking at more like today's low. So today, this, uh, whatever low is, and then I look to the left and see if I can find a, an area of support. You can see that trend line that just using today's low, going to the left, there's some support uh, going back to May of this year. So the, the QQQ, it reached uh, several days where it hit a high, and those highs kind of correspond to today's low. So that's why I keep saying you want to look to the left and see if you can find some price levels where a index or stock or ETF can find support. Maybe we find support today. That could be that could mean that we have a move to the upside. But if we do make a move off to the upside off the support that we're looking at now, we have the 50 day moving average looming overhead. So that could be our resistance. So eventually, you know, the market is going to turn. We are going to make a move to the upside. Well, what was once support using the 50-day moving average, eventually it's going to become resistance. And, you know, we might get up to that level and pull back. Mm -hmm. Only time will tell. But that's something we want to look for in the near future once the market does recover. Right. I know in the bear market last year, Harold, I'm going to switch to the NASDAQ composite now. Uh, Speaking of resistance at a moving average, you very smartly were keeping an eye on that 40-week line every time the NASDAQ tried to rally and get up to that level, whether it was in April 2022, in August 2022. You said, hey, this is a resistance level that looms large, and we did get rejected there twice before we finally turned a corner, 
bottom in, bottomed in October. And then in late January of 2023, we finally got a nice close above the 40 week line for the NASDAQ composite. We had one more uh, period of shakeout after that for about uh, six weeks or so, but that did signal a pretty significant turn when we saw that level of resistance get broken above. Right, exactly. So that ceiling, that 40-week moving average, well, it acted as a ceiling pretty much throughout 2022. And then we finally broke above that ceiling, uh, I think it was in late uh, in late December, uh, early late January. January. Mm-hmm. Yeah, j- early January, when we finally broke above the 40-week. And again, we're talking about a weekly chart, but we broke above it. We did pull back a little bit below it, but then the market did take off and we were off to the races um, uh, most of this year. So this year has been pretty good. Recent weeks hasn't been so, but most of this year has been pretty good. And just using where the stock or ETF, or in this case, we're talking about the NASDAQ, once it broke above the 40-week moving average um, in, in early January, that was a sign, okay, this market has got some got some legs to it. We'll move to the upside. Mm-hmm. And if now, you remember the first five or six weeks of this year, it was a very good market. It really was. We saw a, a lot of power there getting above the short-term moving averages first. And then that 40-week, uh, again, a little bit of a test there. And then we started seeing those moving averages stack differently and turn in the right direction, all pointing higher and all stacking. And I know that that's uh, something else that you like looking at too. And we saw that in mid-March. So that Mm -hmm. could have been another signal for uh, for traders. And one thing I I think also to point out is that um, in addition to moving averages and horizontal lines, you can also have a declining tops trend line to use as a signal of breaking above resistance, like in this case for the NASDAQ composite when we saw that happen on 316. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the moving averages, when they, when they converge, that's a good support area. It could also work as resistance. But back in with with the with Q, with the Nasdaq, you know, it reached a high in January around twelve thousand. It started to pull back, and then we have the moving averages below. We have uh, we also look at look at the twenty one day exponential moving average. That's also a moving average that we look at too. But the in 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 early March, the Nasdaq pulled back. It came down to the twenty one day, and then you had the fifty day immediately underneath it. So that's called a a convergence of the moving averages. When those moving averages converge like that, it it, it serves as a very strong support area, which it did. So it came down to those levels, uh, and then bounced off and make a move to the upside. So mm-hmm. someone asked earlier about the moving averages. Which ones should they concentrate on? We did mention the 50-day on the daily chart, the 10-week on a weekly chart, but on the daily chart, we also like to use the 21-day exponential moving average. Uh, I really like using the 21-day. The we have a lot of studies based on how stocks behave around the 21-day. It can act as a low-risk entry when it pulls back to find support, but that is more of a, um, I would say more of a, an advanced technique of buying off the 21-day uh, for more for advanced or aggressive traders. But uh, most of us 
uh, we tend to use that 50 day and 10 week mm -hmm. to make trading decisions. Right. And the 21 day exponential on my charts is a green line. And you have to get to know the personality of whatever instrument you're looking at. Is right. it in its run up finding support at the 21 day or is it that 10 week? And you can use both as signals to incrementally get in or get out. And in this case, when we did get a pretty notable break and first close below the 21 day line on 8.2, I think that, that was the aftermath of that uh, Fitch ratings downgrade. The NASDAQ was down 2.2% yeah. that day. That is a signal right there. So if you don't want to wait for the 50 day or, or 10 week, you want to use a bit faster rules, want earlier uh, signals, making those incremental decisions. Uh, that's another way to do it because we would have wanted to see, ideally, if this was a super strong bull market, uh, to see it holding that 21-day line, and it did not. Right, right. So that 21-day uh, exponential, that's a very key moving average. My One of my personal sell rules, if I get two closes below the 21-day, then I'm going to start trimming the position. I like to do things in thirds. So if I was fully invested in the stock and I get two closes below the 21 day, I'm going to take a third off of that position. Because we see in this case with the NASDAQ, when it broke down below the 21 day, and I think it was when the when Fitch downgraded the, the U.S. Credit rating, credit rating, that's when uh, things really started to weaken. And we started trading below those moving averages. And, and that 21 day, you know, it acted once we got down below it, where it served as a ceiling. So we tried to get up above it, get up, could not get up above it. It got down to the 50-day moving average, and we broke down below the 50-day. So that was a sign of, of some weakness in the market there. But just using the, the moving averages just gives you a good gauge as to the strength or weaknesses in a stock or ETF or the overall market. Yes. And so speaking of, I know we've been focusing on the index level just because there are so many great examples that we can right. look at for these concepts of support and resistance at uh, notable price levels, at those moving averages, trend lines and horizontal lines, etc. But now let's take a look at an individual stock. Let's take a look at NVIDIA. This has been one of the big market leaders all year long, Harold. What are some of the key uh, support and resistance signals that we can be using NVIDIA as an example for? Yeah, so NVIDIA, you know, one of these, well, it is now the strongest stock in the market. Uh, and I do have a position in NVIDIA. I thought I was getting in late around 260 and here we are above 400. So. Uh, I have a position in this stock, and what I've been keeping an eye out on is it's it, how it's trading ar uh, around that two that that 21 day exponential moving average as we mentioned a moment ago. That's the green line on Ali's chart. If you look back to the left, you can see how Nvidia has been riding that 21 day exponential almost the entire move uh, since it broke out back in May. So it has served as that remember that floor. That support area. That's one of uh, that's one of the things I really like about that 21-day exponential. It uh, it serves as a good support and resistance area for for any equity 
or ETF or index here. So NVIDIA back in, uh, when was that? Uh, back in May of this year, uh, it found support at the 21 day exponential. So that's when I got in because I missed the breakout back in May and I wanted to get into the stock and I want, I just wanted to do something. I thought I was getting in late, but, uh, um, NVIDIA took off. I actually did not back in May, but in May, that's when it took off after it had that explosive earnings report. And it shows no signs of stopping. Now, once it got up, made that move to the upside, I'm still looking at that 21 day because that's where it's holding. You can see it, it got up to around 419, pulled back and made another move to the upside, got around to 439 pull back again towards the 21-day exponential. So that 21-day has served as a key uh, moving average as far as support. And then uh, one of the things I do, another thing I like to do is using trend lines to identify uh, support areas. So if you see that, that where that 419, so yeah, I was looking at, well, the trend line I drew was a little bit lower than that. You see where it pulled back, but well, it got up to 419. Yeah, so where your mouse is now, and then there is, I drew a trend line that goes through that gap right up there. So yeah, right up there when it gapped down below it. Now I didn't make any trading decisions once it got across my trend line, but that was telling me, okay, we could have some further weakness for Nvidia there. So it broke my trend line uh, support that I drew, got down below the 21 day exponential. I did have two closes below the 21 day. So that's when I took some monies off the table. And then now I'm looking to see, okay, what's going to happen around that 50-day? You know, the 50-day, it was a little scary because you see it got down below the 50-day, and then you look at the volume. It did add some high volume uh, selling on the 50-day uh, or below the 50-day, but then we got two strong days to the upside to the point where we made above the 50-day, but now it's down below the 50-day. So NVIDIA, it's probably going to go back and forth uh, above and below that 20, uh, below, above and below the 50 day, especially we got earnings coming up. So you got a lot of traders and investors who are trying to establish a position. Uh, they'll wait for it to get below the 50 day, start nibbling on some shares. Some, once it gets up, they say, okay, well, I got made a little money below the 50 day. Now it's above the 50 day. I'm going to take a little bit off. But going into earnings, you know, as we all know, earnings is unpredictable. There's no way of knowing what's going to happen. So my expectation with this stock, it's going to be, you know, trading above and below that 50 day until we get you know, the earnings report. And then from there, we'll just have to wait and see what happens. Right. And just a reminder for the audience, you have a very healthy profit cushion with the stock trading around 428 and change. You were getting in around 260 and you've been taking profits with those uh, multiple closes below the 21 day line. So everyone uh, out there who's trading NVIDIA, definitely make sure to manage your risk. We like having a profit cushion of at least 10% in most cases heading into earnings. So to each their own with that. Um, and, you know, Harold, these moving averages and other resistance levels can also potentially be used as topping signals. If you start seeing the moving averages roll over and start declining, and then you see that stock living below declining moving averages and bumping its head, that's a pretty negative signal to uh, be aware of, right? Right, right. So that, that's uh, looking at what those moving averages are doing. You know, is a moving average in an uptrend? Is the moving average going flat or is it curling down? That can also give you 
a, uh, a, a an idea as to what to expect price wise with yeah. the with the stock or index or ETF. Mm -hmm. And, you know, a concept that we haven't touched on yet with uh, support and resistance is support at round numbers. Mm -hmm. And if you're looking at NVIDIA here, 400, that's a very clear round number that after that gap up on earnings, initially, NVIDIA bumped its head and pulled back in. But then when it got back above that 400 level on 613, that potentially could have been a buy signal for shorter term traders. It came down, tested it, right? We want to test the floor. It held that floor. And once again, in this big outside day on 814, outside day to the upside, that was one of the big uh, moves higher you mentioned in recent sessions, came very close to 400, a low of 403, but right around there and found support. So with earnings next week, that could be a key test for NVIDIA. Is it going to be like a lot of other chip stocks and weaken after earnings? If it does, can it hold above 400? If it breaks below that level, it seems like at least for the next little while, the move in NVIDIA could be due for a rest. So we're going to be keeping a close eye on that if we get a downside reaction. And then on the upside, if you draw a declining tops trend line, perhaps for aggressive traders, a break above that level, connecting the highs from 727, the next couple of trading days and the high at 815. And those next couple of trading days, maybe that could be a signal to the upside. So going through that scenario analysis, right, Harold, uh, the bull case and the bear case can help us really make those game time decisions. Right, right. So you, you mentioned the round numbers and it's, it's, a, it's a psychological uh, uh, area of price. So round numbers, we, it's, it's just a, what we normally do. And when, we, when NVIDIA broke down below the 50-day, it got down to 400 and it made that real strong move to the upside. And as I mentioned earlier, and I'm going to keep repeating this, you look to the left. And you look to the left and you see that support where it got down to 400 and it bounced off of it a couple times here. So that was a very good support area for NVIDIA here. Mm -hmm. Now, let's take a look at a couple of other stocks, Harold, and you can go through your analysis of each of the charts and point out the key support and resistance levels to be aware of. Let's take a look at DEER. This is ticker DE. And there are a couple of things to point out here, Harold. Tell us what you're seeing on the chart, a negative reaction to earnings today. Yeah, so you had a negative reaction to earnings, and you can just see how the stock uh, just traded very low, uh, traded down below the 50-day based on its earnings report. I believe they, I don't know when they reported. That's really irrelevant. The fact of the matter is, we know that it was the earnings report. Doesn't matter what the result of the earnings report is. Market didn't like it, so it started trading down the uh, below that 50-day. That is a negative for stock and. It might recover. Uh, the next level we'll be looking at, you want to see at least recover the 200-day moving average. So on a daily chart, the black line is a 200-day. So I wouldn't consider deer. Uh, it'd have to give up above the 200-day before I even consider the stock as a potential, bu uh, potential buy. Uh, prior to uh, its earnings report, 
You can see using the market smith, the pattern recognition, that's another thing I use to identify areas of support and resistance. Uh, market smith to do a kind of do a do a four. You see, you drew that line there. Uh, it hit that four. Was it four forty eight? Uh, hit that a couple of times, and then uh, eventually tried to break out at around four fifty, but that breakout didn't. That breakout failed. But what I'm getting at is the pattern recognition in market smith will and sometimes help you identify areas of support and resistance. Absolutely. Let's go over to our next ticker on the list and let's see about ABM. What's to know here, Harold? Yeah, so this one, yeah, go to that weekly chart. And this is not necessarily a stock I'm considering, but this one, it just jumped out at me. You can see the 50 level where it got up to that several times since March of last year. I mean, you, in fact, you can go go even further back. It got up to 50, traded down to around, around 40. So this is a, a, a real good example of how these round numbers, how they work. That's like I said, it's, it's human nature. These round numbers, we tend to attract uh, this uh, uh, stock price. And we as human beings tend to do things around, um, uh, around these round numbers. Uh, that's why you don't want to, when you're looking to set a stop, don't use a round number. You know, if you want to get out of stock, you say $50, but don't use $50 because uh, we all know nowadays you have algorithms out there. They know that people, it's human nature to use $50 as a stop. So set your stop at, you know, $50 in, in nine cents or $49 in 92 cents, just something odd so you don't get picked off uh, accidentally. Mm -hmm. But you can see this is a perfect example. So if you were in this stock, Say you got in around 45 and you're feeling good. It got up to 50 and you're looking to add more shares. Well, what happened? It pulled back to 50, went down to 40, and maybe you bought more at 40. It made a move back up to the upside and got close to 50 again. Well, this stock is in a great trading range. So this is a real good example of how these round numbers uh, act mm -hmm. as uh, areas of support and resistance. There was another one I was looking at. Uh, I was looking at this earlier today. A pull-up ticker symbol PRMV, and go to the. Did a, oh, not seeing that. Uh, maybe I wrote it down. Oh darn it! It was a good. Uh, a good uh, example. Well, I have one for you, Harold. Let's okay. go to Lee Auto. I'm going to go to a, a weekly chart here, and so if you're talking about look left draw mm -hmm. a line and looking at a relevant round number, look at 40 here for Lee Auto in that run out of the IPO base. Uh, intra week, it did get above 40, but it closed at 39.48. So bumped its head at 40. Then in the move in 2022, around May and June, bumped its head several times right around 40. And then it was really interesting a couple weeks ago, finally was looking like it was clearing that 40 level with conviction with a very strong close uh, around 43. But that same week, if you go to a daily chart and then you draw a trend line at the highs, this is another little tip uh, to share with the audience. If you see a nice move on earnings. So this, uh, or any, it doesn't have to be on earnings, but this one was on earnings on 510 
broke out above this 26, 27 level. And the uptrend that was contained by support at that 21-day moving average, all of a sudden, before the latest earnings report in late July, it started accelerating. So when you see one rate of ascent, and then all of a sudden, the stock really starts accelerating above that, that can be a signal to start taking some profits into strength, potentially. Right, right. So that 40 level, as you pointed out, has been a very good level for um, trading the stock. And it, it just go back to the daily real quick. You see how, uh, if you look a little bit to the left, how it gapped up above 40? Yeah, right over there, uh, it gapped up above 40. I, I like to use gaps as support and resistance area. So, you know, it gapped up above 40, made that move up to $47, and it's pulled back. And it got down to that level of the, the low of the day that it gapped up. Kind of traded around uh, that area for a little while, but then it just couldn't hold that. That 21-day exponential was acting as a ceiling. You can see that. Uh, so it tried that. It tested that 21-day, and it just couldn't make it. So now mm -hmm. it's uh, below it. But relative to the overall market, Lee Auto is doing very well. Remember, the indexes, all the major indexes are below their 50-day moving average, where Lee Auto is above its 50-day. So who knows, when the market does recover, uh, typically stocks that are holding up during a pullback or a sell-off that we've seen in recent days, some of those stocks tend to be some of your leaders once the market does recover. Mm -hmm. A couple of questions that'd be great to knock out from the audience as we look towards wrapping up here soon, Harold. Tim is saying, you know, it's a little confusing why some traders may use the 50-day moving average versus the 10-week moving average. We like looking at both, and they are very similar. But one, of course, on the daily time frame is taking 50 data points, whereas the 10-week is using 10 data points. So that's why they differ slightly. Uh, but we do like looking at both time frames. Uh, the 65 and 100-day moving average, we typically don't look at those. We like, uh, as Harold was saying, the 21-day exponential, 50-day simple, and 200-day simple on the daily, and then the weekly, uh, the 50-day and 200-day equivalents are the 10-week and the 40-week. Uh, but another question here for you, Harold, from Glenn. He's saying if the current trend uh, you know, in the broad market continues lower from support levels, should we be looking at a lower level of support or should we be taking action based on the support that's already broken? And I think, you know, traders should be making incremental decisions, which is why a close below the 21 day line is great. A close below the 50 day, or if you want to wait till the end of the week and look at the 10 week, uh, that is also definitely an option. But what about where we are now? We can take a look at a weekly chart for the NASDAQ what level of support would we look to uh, try to see the NASDAQ find next? Yeah, but the only level I can see would be that 13,000 level right there. So if you, you you draw your trend line. So again, I was looking at, so we're on a weekly chart of the NASDAQ. I was looking at the low and I said, okay, I look to the left and I see that 13,000. So looks like we're finding support at around 13,000. Now, what's going to happen from here? That's the only time we'll tell. 
we might find support at that 13,000 level and then bounce off and make a move to the upside. If that does happen, we, we do have the 10 week moving average uh, overhead. So that 10 week is gonna act as resistance. So as far as what type of action you're gonna take, it all depends on what type of trader that you are. Now, I tend to be more of a short-term swing trader. So I use the 50-day more than I do the 10-week moving average. If you're a much a longer-term trader, you know, you're looking to hold stocks for the long term, uh, you'll probably use the 10-week moving average to make your decisions as to mm -hmm. what you're going to do with the stock. So all the 10 depends on, you know, what type of trader you are and what your objectives are. Mm -hmm. Right. And Preston is asking if there are other psychological numbers other than those ending in zero. And I would say yes, numbers ending in five. But also, I think just if you are seeing a level on a chart that a stock is continually bumping its head up against. And for Dexcom, which I'm pulling up here, it was around 125, well, this does end in five, but 125, 126. Uh, and even if you go a little bit lower, and this is where there is that art to it, because uh, sometimes mm -hmm. you will be looking at that intraday high, other times it will be that closing hash mark. But if you look right around 123, that was another area where we saw a lot of uh, congestion too. That can be another thing, support and resistance. It may not always be black and white. It could just right. be a level of interest where there, there's a battle going forth back, you know, between buyers and sellers. And uh, looking at those various levels can help you try to make some decisions directionally. If you're noticing it's a, a number, it could be an odd number, uh, that, but you're continually seeing uh, action around. It could be a relevant level to take note of. Thoughts, yeah, Carol? yes. So you, so you mentioned, uh, you know, we talked about round numbers earlier. Uh, numbers are ending in five. Dexcom is a real good example, 125. The stock that I, was, well, I wanted you to look at was, it's FTAI is the ticker uh, on the daily chart. And you see, here's a round number, that five there. Look how many times it got up to 35. And it just can't make it above it. And this stock, this is something I have on my watch list because if you look at this stock, it's telling you what pullback, you know, what's selling. It's, it's showing some relative strength. You know, the, as I mentioned earlier, the indexes, the major indexes, the two that we pay attention to are the are the NASDAQ and the S&P 500. Well, both of those indexes are down below the 50-day moving average. If you look at this stock, it's well above its 50-day, above the 21-day. It's just finding resistance at that 35 level. So numbers at end in five can typically uh, act as an area of resistance also. Yes, they definitely can. All right. Well, I wish we had another hour to go over everything. That was just a, a little taste there of some concepts with support and resistance. So just to recap, you can use support and resistance levels to analyze stock charts where they are in a trend for buy signals, for hold signals, and for sell signals. There is an art and a science to this, but you can use not only relevant price levels, but also moving averages. Make sure you look at relevant gaps up or gaps down, as well as 
declining tops trend lines or connecting ascending or descending highs and lows. Um, you can also look at round numbers and make sure you're flexible with this and you take incremental actions based on what you see with support and resistance. Harold, thank you so much for the fantastic insights today. And make sure you check out IEBD Live for more insights like this, investors.com slash IEBD Live. Our show, Harold and I are on every trading day uh, with a rotating crew of our colleagues and special guests. And that concludes today's episode. So make sure you tune in to Barron's Live on Monday, where Barron's deputy editor, Ben Levinson, is going to talk with senior writers Al Root and Nicholas Jasinski about the outlook for the Fed's annual meeting in Wyoming, the turmoil in the auto industry, and the lessons of earnings season as another one comes to an end. A great conversation to be sure. So make sure you check that out on Monday. That is it for now. And we will see you back here next month for another special Investors Business Daily installment of Barron's Live. The energy transition is a long and winding road, and it needs to be taken step by step. Learn more at SiemensEnergy.com.